time away with God. Um, and to start off with, I want us to read uh, Matthew 14. And I was just thinking, um, I want four volunteers who will help me read it, because I don't want to read the whole chapter, but I want the whole chapter read. So, four volunteers who are happy to read part of Matthew 14 for me. And if you don't volunteer quickly, I'll pick on people. Right, one with, with Maggie. Great, right. So that's two, I need two more. Janet, three, one more. One more? Oh, Adrian, sorry, I didn't see you. Right, okay. Um, so Maggie, if you want to do jo the death of John the Baptist, and then... Uh, <laughs> you were the first one to volunteer, you're doing that. No, I, mean, I mean, I don't want to do that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. no. um, and then Tracy, do you want to start where it says Jesus feeds the 5,000? And then Janet, Jesus walks on water. And then Adrian, Jesus heals the sick. Yes? Right, great. Herod kills John the Baptist. Oh, is it all right? This is in the living. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisers, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is what he, why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favour to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. So he took his sister-in-law, basically. John had been telling Herod, it's against the law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias's daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed on foot from the town. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fishes, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to the heavens. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate 
was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognised him, they sent word around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it, were made well. Thank you, everybody. So we have a, we have a passage here, and you could almost pick any chapter out of any of the Gospels, and you would get this impression of how busy people are. We often think that being busy is something about our modern culture. Um, and there's an element of truth about that in that everything happens uh, much quicker. But even in Jesus' day, there was a lot of busyness going on. If we just look at this chapter, we can see that Herod was very busy. He was busy with his, himself, with his own stuff. He was worrying about the truth getting out, about what he was up to with his sister-in-law. He was worried about what to do about John, who had challenged him about that. He was probably, this is me reading between the lines, worried about what Philip might do with what he was doing with his sister-in-law. Um, he was worried about his own pleasure in the moment. That probably is where he had got into trouble with his sister-in-law in the first place because he was going after his own pleasure. And then there was the whole, uh, the dancing that went on, which would have been a very explicit dance, let's put it like that and led to him making this rash decision about, I'll give you anything you want. So everything he did was, was, was about his immediate pleasure, his immediate comfort, how he felt at the moment. And he was busy in his mind uh, with all that kind of thing, and it came out in his actions. The disciples were very busy as well. They were busy with the stuff of this world. I'm guessing, again, I'm reading between the lines, that there was a tomb to be visit, visited. 
John the Baptist had been killed. He was Jesus' cousin. They would probably have all known each other. They were, they were talking about the kingdom of God in the same area, in the same, same thing. So there would have been that, that, that need to, to comfort family, to, to visit a, a grave, to, to do what they needed to do to grieve. But they were also busy. There was a crowd to organise. All these people who were following Jesus. And then Jesus, of all things, said, will you feed them? There were, they said, 5,000 men. Who knows how many women and children there were there. So they were busy trying to find food. He says, we've got to feed them. How are we going to do that? Well, have you got any food? No. Well, maybe they've got some food. Then they gave Jesus a little bit of food they found. And then they suddenly found themselves busy in another way. Because suddenly they started giving out this food. I heard somebody say once, I wonder whether they started giving out, you know, they took a bit of bread and were like giving out that size bits to try to make it last. And then when it, they realised it wasn't running out, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, have a whole piece of bread. Um, and then, amazingly, they were biggity picking up food. There were, I can imagine there were people coming back and going, oh, I can't eat anymore. Here, have this back. And then as people got up and started to go, there was like all this food over the floor and they were clearing it all up. So the disciples were busy. Then the storm thing, they got in the boat and then they were busy doing something they'd probably done many times before. It wouldn't have been the first time they had been on the Sea of Galilee and the storm had come along. It was a commonplace um, thing to happen. So they were busy fighting the storm. Then they were busy seeing a ghost. It, 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 it just like, I can imagine they were, is it? Isn't it? Are you sure that's a person? It's Jesus. No, it's not. It's a ghost. Oh, my goodness, it's a ghost. So they were busy getting in themselves in a, a tizzwas about all that kind of thing. And then John, oh, sorry, Peter, as always, opens his mouth and then wonders what on earth he's gone and said. Because he goes, Jesus, if that's you... Tell me to come and walk to you on the water. And Jesus says, okay, come. I can just imagine it, can't you? Pete going, oh, what have I said? As he like puts his foot over the edge of the bow. And then suddenly realise the water isn't disappearing. It is holding his weight. And he is busy walking towards Jesus. But then he's busy looking at the storm and suddenly he sinks. Jesus was busy. Busy with kingdom stuff. He was dealing with the, the death of his, his cousin and you can imagine there was an internal busyness of, of grief and sadness going on with that. But there was, wherever he went, there were people following him everywhere. There was, um, he, had to, he had to deal with the, the, the feeding of these people, the teaching of these people, the asking, answering their questions, the healing of the sick. It was like it seemed to never stop because wherever he went, suddenly people appeared. They either raced around the, the lake and got there before him or they found where he was and, 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 and as soon as they saw him coming, they started bringing all their sick. There was this busyness that runs through the whole of this chapter that goes, that, that, that just, you get this, just this pression, impression that there was a, a non-stop thing. And I think if I probably asked almost anybody here, how's your week been? One of the things you might use to describe it was, oh, I've been really busy. It is so often, yeah, I can see people nodding at me. It is so often the way we describe our, our week that we've been busy. 
And this is kind of what I want us to look at for these next few moments, is how do we do what Jesus did? Even in all this busyness, he connected with his Father. So how in the busyness of life do we connect with God? Do we find our secret place? Because I haven't been around for Dave's last two preaches. I've either been um, with family or I've been in kids' church, but I listen to them online. And it's brilliant stuff about how we need to have that, that quiet place with God, that place where we can get away from God. But my job is here because I can imagine that there was maybe some of you thinking, well, that's all well and good. It's all well and good if you work for the church. It's easy to get away. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's sometimes what people, David's sitting here going like this, in case you don't see him, and shaking his head. But that's sometimes what people think. So I want us to think about, like Jesus, how do we find that secret place, that special moment with God in the middle of everything else that is going on? Because if we're honest, it can be very easy to become overloaded, overburdened, um, and just get caught up and go overboard in, in the busyness and things that, that demand us. You know, when I go to bed at night, I often, well, one of the habits I try to get in is just talking about my day to God. And, um, and also thinking about the next day. And I can often, I, I, I often think, oh, I wake up in the morning, I'll, I'll Get, get up, get dressed and go downstairs and I'll give the kitties a little stroke and they'll be all purry and, and then I'll get my breakfast and I'll find my comfy armchair. The one in my living room, if, you, if anybody knows it who's been in my house, that it's just looking out over the back garden and I, I'll curl up in there and I'll, I'll eat my breakfast and I'll have a nice warm cup of tea, then I'll get my Bible out, I'll have some worship music and I'll just, oh, I'll go have this wonderful time with God. Then I decide I really should get out of bed <laughs> because the reality of it is, is that I probably snoozed the alarm once, once too often, um, probably got sidetracked by my phone. I get downstairs um, realising that I'm late. The cats are, are, are running around trying to trip me out, going meow, meow, because they want feeding. Then a guest comes downstairs and they want to decide they want to have a conversation at, at that time. And it just is not the way I imagined it. I actually, I actually get to my, my chair and it seems like everything already is gone to pot and is, is, is busy, busy, busy. And if I'm honest, and I want to be honest, because actually preparing this preach this past week has been really hard because I've been so aware for myself that I've been overwhelmed by busyness. And it has been so easy, and I have given in to it, to just bypass the time with God. It's like my to-do list shouts louder than that still small voice of God. I think to myself, it's all right, I'll do it later. I haven't got much time now, so I'll do it later when I can make more time. But of course, that never happens. It's almost as though that reading the Bible or spending time with God comes another tick thing on my to-do list. That somehow the passion isn't there. And I end up, maybe at the end of the day, feeling rather I irritable and overwhelmed yet again by my to-do list 
and the things that are in my diary and thinking, oh, I've blown it again. I even plan at times to stay unbusy, to have a day in my diary where I can have a more relaxed day and it just doesn't seem to happen. I swear somebody sneaks in and puts things in my diary that I haven't put there. You know, I really do. Um, and it just somehow feel, fills up. And I don't, is, is this just me or do other people feel these kind of things? I've, I've been seeing people nod their heads, so I'm fairly confident it's not just me. So, should we just accept this life? I mean, it is the way things are in this world. We could talk to anybody outside a church and they would talk about their busyness, their busyness with their family, their, their busyness in their job, about needing promotion, about needing to do. Um, I just talked to, to my boys and, and some of the, the, the younger guys and girls here and the hours that they're expected to work compared to what I was expected to work when I was their age is horrendous. So it is kind of it is part of our culture. But we know that we are called not to conform to the pattern of this world, to the culture, not just to set, accept it because that's the way it is, but to follow Jesus' example. And as we've seen by just that passage that we've left, read, Jesus was no stranger to being busy. So, I want us to think about two things. I want us to think about how we find God in the busyness and then what it is that you need to let go of. So, first of all, finding God in the busyness. There's verses in John 15 that talks all about, Jesus is talking all about how we need to abide in him. Now, abide is not a word that we use very often. So, if you want more common words, it means to stay in, continue with, remain. So, Jesus is, is saying in the passages, particularly between verses 1 and 17, actually the word abide is used 11 times, if I counted it right, but it's used a lot of times. And what Jesus is saying, what you need to do is abide. That means you need to stay in me, remain with me, continue with me. And we're called to do this in the middle of whatever we encounter, whatever else is going on. We're called to remain um, with Jesus. It says in John 15 verse 5, Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. From apart from me you can do nothing. And when we think about this in the, the busyness of our days, You'll find that I talk a lot about to-do lists because I am a list person. I make lists about everything. I've even been known to make lists about the list I need to make. <laughs> <laughs> I am a list person. It, people don't realise it so much now because it's all hidden on my phone, but I, I am a list person. And it, you might not all be the same, but I think we're all aware of the number of things that we, we need to fit in our days and we try to fit in our days, whether we have a list or we have a diary or we have both or we do nothing. Um, and when we're thinking about this abiding, it says, He that abides in me and I in him, it's him that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Because you see, the thing that I'm having to discover and we have to discover, that however well we plan, whatever organisational tool we use, or however much we think we can remember it all off the top of our head, unless we're doing those things with God, 
remaining with him, taking him with us, continuing with, with us in all the things we need to do, then we are not going to bear much fruit because we need him to do it. Even the most mundane and simplest things, we need him inside of it. If we look at another verse in John, in John 5, 19, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. You see, Jesus, one of the ways Jesus is coped with the busyness is because his eyes were always on his Father. And when his Father said, do something, go somewhere, he did it. And for me, it's very easy for my eyes to always be on my to-do list and what that's telling me to do. But what do we see that God can do in our mundane, in our ordinary? It's a question I wrote down for myself, but I've left it in my notes. When I look at my to-do list, what is the Father going to do with that? When I, when I get up tomorrow morning and look at what I need to do on Monday, what is God going to do in that to-do list? What are the things that he is going to point or put his finger on and says, this is important, this is what I want to do? Or even if there are the non-negotiable things, you know, the, the almost the goes without saying things, the waking up, getting dressed, getting showered, if you've got kids, looking after the kids, feeding the cats, whatever it is, those things that you can't just opt out of, they are part of your everyday busyness. How do you see that God is going to use that? Because Jesus didn't live in isolation, he was around people and he used the circumstances he found himself in to hear the Father's voice and to do what the Father was telling him to do. You know, it's, um, when I was doing this, I was, I, I was reading a few bits and pieces and I think it was a secular bit I read, but somebody was talking about, you know, prioritising and organising and how, how great often as we would think, wouldn't it be, if we could just pause our day or rewind it, or fast forward it, if it's that bad. Um, and it just kind of reminded me of a film I watched um, a fair few years ago called Click. And it's about a guy who finds the uni universal remote control, and he discovers that he can pause his life, or fast forward it, or rewind it. And it's a very funny film. Um, but the outcome of it is that he actually discovers that wasn't the answer because by fast-forwarding through things, he missed the important things of life. But it can be the way we think at times, isn't it? That, that wouldn't it be great if I could just, I don't know, pause and think for a minute and get some, get, get some perspective? Um, it can be a bit like this cartoon. That is... Cartoon? <laughs> yeah. Um, we can be like we can be like the sheep. Um, I like this one because it's a sheep, and I like sheep. That that we we are so so surrounded um, ourselves by noise and busyness that um, it's like we've got all these things, the noise going in our ears. We've got things that we're looking at or reading. We're multitasking. We're a society that multitasks so much. Um, and then we go, 
Well, everybody always talks about listening to God and hearing God. Dave's done some brilliant preaches about having some time and quiet time away from God. But I don't know, I just don't seem to manage to hear God's voice. Even when I try to get quiet time, because I always think this sheep has tried to get some quiet time. He's sort of in the middle of the field, he's got a lounger, his Bible's there. But it's like there's too many other distractions. The noise, whether it's external or internal, can distract us. And I was, I was thinking, when we spend time with God and we are distracted by what, what we've got to do or the phone calls or the text messages or what somebody has said or what we're worried about, it's kind of like we're with a friend but not giving them their attention. I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you've gone to, to hang out with a friend and you get this overwhelming impression they're definitely not with you. They're kind of, I, I, I was in a circumstances once where I was um, hanging out with a good friend and for whatever reason they were just on their phone all the time and it was like, oh, okay. It kind of doesn't make you feel great, does it? Um, and I mean, there are times when I hang out with my friends and we're all on the phones and we're playing a game and it's fun. But there was just that moment that you felt, actually, I'm not even sure they really want to be with me. Um, and it doesn't feel good. And if that, as human beings, make us not feel good, how do you think it grieves Jesus' heart when we are with him and yet we're distracted by everything else that is going on in us and around us? But it's easy to say these things. It's easy to sit, sit here and listen and for me to talk and go, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's all really true. But how? How? I'm a, I, 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 a great one for always thinking when we, we look at the Bible about how do we put this into practice? Because I lived a lot, of, a lot of my younger Christian life knowing what was in the Bible believing it was true, but not knowing how to put it into practice, how to make it real to me. Um, and so for our last little while, I want us to think about how we do that. In Romans 12, 1 to 2, one of my, some of my favourite verses is from my favourite chapter in all the Bible. I say that about lots of chapters, but it is. Romans 12, 1 to 2, this is in the message version. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God you'll be changed from the inside out. So there is that call that we take our everyday, ordinary life, our sleeping, eating, going to work, looking after the kids, being with friends, life. And, and, and somehow give it with God. Being in the middle of it with God in your day to day, it's not talking about trying to make something super spiritual out of every little element. I've, 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 in the past, I've had friends like that, and you know, you, you, you open the milk a certain way and they make a spiritual point out of it. Um, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about being aware <laughs> that God is 
is with you and in it, in everything you do. Because of the way my life is, I'm, I'm often at home on my own for maybe one or two days in a row. And so one of the things I've had to learn to deal with is, is, is how I deal with being on my own for a, a longer period of time. I'm an extrovert, so it, it, it's hard work for me. Um, and one of the things that I found is really helpful is remembering that I'm not on my own, that Jesus is with me. And it's not just in some spiritual way, oh yes, Jesus, you're with me, which is all good. It's, he's there. When I'm, doing, when I'm, when I'm di stacking the dishwasher, he's sitting at the kitchen table, just like a friend would be who came round for coffee. Um, when I'm washing so many towels and sheets because I've had guests coming backwards and forwards, he's there. He's, he's holding the washing for me almost as I'm hanging it out on the line or whatever. Everything I do is with Jesus. And when you get that in your head, it starts to change things. Because as I feel the enemy maybe wanting to make me feel a bit lonely or fed up because I am washing sheets again, I start, no, this is different. Jesus is with me. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you've given me an, a, a job that I can do and still serve in the church. I thank you that you've given me this house that can be used. I thank you for all the people who come into this house which is soaked in your presence. I thank you. When I start to feel lonely, when it seems that everybody else has got things to do and I'm the one that hasn't, I, I, I sometimes walk around my house because around my house I've got memories of friendships. I, I, I look at a picture up on the wall that a friend has given me. Oh, I remember that Christmas when they gave me that picture. That was so much fun. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for that friend. I look at, I look at some decorating that's been done with, with, with friends or with my family. And I, I remember when we painted the living room. I remember recently putting up a summer house in my garden. Thank you for that time with my friends or with my, my son. It was so good. When I'm cooking dinner, thank you that I have this choice of food. Thank you that you took me from when we were living on beans on toast every day to what I've got now. Thank you. And it goes on, the clothes I wear, the fact. And every time something threatens to become overwhelming, turn it around, bring it back to God because he is in it with you. Whether we have got meetings that we've got to go to, Pray about them. Take God to the meetings with you. Uh, most of my meetings are easy because we, they're, they're to do with the life of the church and we're, we, we pray at any rate. But even when you're in secular jobs, pray about the meetings. When you've got emails, look at what they're saying. You've got to answer them and do them. But pray about those situations. Pray for the people that you're going to meet. Pray for grace and mercy and wisdom. When you're just out walking, walking the kids to school, thank, you, thank God that your kids are healthy enough that they can go to school, even if they have driven you to distraction. Yes. Not that you kids ever, they're not listening, but not if you kids ever would drive your parents to distraction. <laughs> but thank, thank God for them. Thank, pray for them as you're walking that they're going to grow up to be men and women of God. It, it just goes on everything. 
can be turned. And those things that you find the hardest, they're the things that you need to see God in the most and, and turn it around to, to them. I've all gone away from my notes as normal, so I'm just seeing where I'm at. Yeah, done that, done that, done that. So let's see God in every situation full of grace and wisdom. Maybe one of the things to do is find John 15. That's the, uh, the first 17 verses, I think it is. Um, is, is the whole abide thing. Look at your to-do list or your diary or what's in your brain that is going, oh, I've got to do this today. I've been procrastinating long enough. I have to do it even though I don't want to. Look at that verse and go, God, I really don't want to have to do this. But abide with me. May I remain with you. Will you come with me while I make this phone call, have this conversation, do this job that I've been putting off? So let's find God in it, in the busyness of life. But sometimes we are so busy because there are things that we need to let go. Often we can become busy because we have maybe the wrong attitude or the wrong motivation for our busyness. It is even possible that our busyness becomes more important than God. That what we can do and how many things we're involved in um, becomes almost as significant who we are. Um, it is it's often being um, mentioned in, in different, you read different things online and that, that when you meet somebody for the first time, one of the things that people often ask is, what do you do? It's what we do that seems to speak about our significance. But again, we're not called to conform to the pattern of this world and we know our significance comes from who we are not what we do our significance comes from who we are which is a child of God that we are loved that we are, are, are saved that we have a redeemer that we're the apple of God's eye Amen. it's not from what we do but that that can grab hold of us I know there's been times that I've had to deal with internal attitudes of pride when I can easily think, well, I need to do that and that and that because I can do it better. And you have to guard against these things. It might be, for some of you, you don't have that problem. It might be, I can't do that, that and that because somebody else can do it better. That's just as bad. Uh, It can work both ways. The enemy can often want to, for some of us, he can cause pride to be an issue. And for some of us, it can be an insecurity and a worthlessness that can be an issue both we need to deal with we know we for some some people it can be finding your significance in what you do and you're defined by your accomplishments it can also be a case of well what will people think if I'm not busy we've already said how it's so accepted that everybody is busy and somehow there's this thing if you aren't busy 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 that something's wrong with you um, and that can, be even, that can be very true in, kingdom, in, in the church, in kingdom circles. That um, if, we're, if we're kind of not at every meeting and doing everything, that somehow is, well, are they all right? Are, are they backsliding or something? Whereabouts, actually, what, we, what is more important, it is right and proper to serve in church. But more important is to know the one we're serving. 
to have that relationship with the one we're serving. Because when we have that relationship with the one we're serving, then our service comes out of that relationship rather than us trying to serve and trying to grab a relationship. You see, busyness is not a spiritual gift. Believe it or not, it's not. It's not listed as one of the spiritual gifts. Busyness is the enemy of peace and it steals our time. This is a quote that I found. I don't know who said it though, but it's not mine. But it says, busyness of your life leaves little room for the source of your life. And I, I thought that was, that was so important. And what I want to aim at doing, having come through a week where I've really struggled with this, um, and what I would encourage all of us to do is to think about, as you go into this week, and I know some of you will be sitting here already thinking about all the things you've got to do next week. Um, <laughs> Um, and and I, I, I've done the same. I've, I've, I've been, you know, it, it, you, you kind of like stand in here worshipping. I mean, what's his name? Dan. <laughs> Dan. That's his name. I think he played one of my favourite songs, you know, Raise a Hallelujah. I love that song. And you're sort of like there worshipping. Yes, I raise a hallelujah. And then suddenly I'm realising, I'm thinking... Oh, the sun is meant to be out in the next couple of days. That means I can get my summer house painted. <laughs> <laughs> and it just creeps in, doesn't it? Like that. <laughs> um, and, and, and so what I, 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 I did, yes, thank you, Lord, that the sun is coming out after this past week and that I can paint my summer house. I thank you that you have provided this for me. I thank you for the weekend I had with my son doing it last weekend. So where the enemy often wants to put these thoughts in our mind at the most inopportune moments to drag us away from worshipping God, let us turn it around and turn it back to him. Um, And the other thing we, I think, just to finish, that I, I really want to say is that we need to remember that God's plans for us are bigger than our to-do lists and our calendars. There is a possibility that for some of us here that God will ask you to stop doing something that is good for something that is better. Amen. And that can, be a, that can be a hard thing. Yeah. I, I had a... Um, a situation, nine, oh, I can't remember how many years back, back in the early 2000s and something, where um, I was working um, for the church as community worker. So I liaised with police, schools, um, the uh, council community workers. And I can't remember how many years I did it for, but it was a fair few years. And then I really felt that God was saying to me that I needed to stop doing it doing it. Not only did I need to stop doing that, I realise I'm telling stories, that's bad news. Um, <laughs> I not only did I need to stop doing that, but I needed to actually take a sabbatical and stop doing everything I was doing. And that was a hard thing. And I know, I, I remember going to talk it through with Russ. I talked with Phil about it and I went to talk it through with Russ. And... Um, as I told other people and people that I was involved in things at the centre, I know for some people they just didn't get it, they didn't understand what I was doing. And yet I look back with hindsight and I know that as I took 
that month out and then prayerfully thought about what I did afterwards, that there was something that God started in, inside my heart and Phil's heart that led on to other things that we did in the church and eventually led on to us going to Argentina for that uh, year and a bit. So that can be something that can happen, that God can sometimes say, actually, I need you to stop. And, 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 and he takes us out of everything. So just to finish, remember it's possible to find God's presence in the midst of our busy life and to see all our lives are for God's glory, even the, the irritating things and the busy things. And I know time has gone, but I just want us to take a few minutes just to be able to take some time now. So I'm going to ask everybody, just close your eyes. And just think in the quiet, what is it that distracts you? What is it that's getting in the way? It might be that God is saying to you that there is something that you need to give up, something you need to stop. It might be something small that's a, a waste of time, like me playing on my phone. But it might be something that's a big deal. And God is, is starting to stir in your heart the need to, to stop doing something because you sense that he's leading you to something else that's going to be better. I've also really felt while I was preparing that there are going to be some people here who go, I wish I could be that busy. But I seem to have so much time. And if that is you, I believe God is saying, find me in that time. Find me in that time. Don't let what you wish you could do and can't do distract you and be the busy thing in your mind. Find me in that time that you have. as we draw to a close the band go do a last song but if there are people here who want to talk more or want to pray about stuff you're more than welcome to come and talk to me or today or to Maggie or go and talk to somebody in your connect group 
But if you feel you need, need prayer about this, don't go today without getting it. Um, if God is prompting that's what you need to do, then do it. Don't, be, don't, don't go without it.